Cause my cup has overflowed 
a, a beautiful song. We're in Revelation chapter 10. As we remember in the last chapter, we ended our study with the, the sounding of the sixth and the seventh trumpets. And after the sixth trumpet judgment was finished, we entered into the, uh, the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation period. Now remember, here we are in Revelation 10, and the first three and a half years are complete. Chapters, chapter 10 through chapter 11 uh, are a, uh, a parenthesis between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. Uh, and we're going to look at, at this uh, interesting time before uh, the last trumpet sounds. So let's pick up uh, the reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter 10, and begin reading in verse 1. Verse 1 down through verse 3. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Seven thunders uttered their voices. Let's stop reading right there for just a moment. As I was reading the commentary from Dr. R.G. Lee, uh, Dr. Lee asked this question, who is this mighty angel with one foot on the sea and another foot on the earth? Now, some believe it to be Christ. Certainly he is seen throughout the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. Uh, And because of his description here of authority and majesty, it it, it makes it easy to think that he's Jesus. But Dr. R.G. Lee, and I I agree with him, I, I, I disagree with this, because in Revelation, Jesus is not, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is not shown as an angel. But in the book of Revelation, Jesus is shown as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as all of heaven bows before him. I I believe, and R.G. Lee says, and I'll quote him, Dr. R.G. Lee said, I believe this to be a special, mighty angel of God's own creation. Now, look with me for just a moment at what a magnificent being this angel is. First of all, he'll come to earth clothed in a cloud. In other words, he is so great in size that, uh, in size that, the, the, the only thing that can cover him is a giant cloud. He has a rainbow upon his head. This rainbow hat is symbolic of God's covenant, his agreement with mankind. Remember, whenever we see a rainbow, it's to remind us of God's promise, uh, promises to man. God delights in his promises because they prove his word. Remember that. God never breaks a promise. Go in God's word. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands of promises in this book. And uh, God delights in in His promises because they prove His Word. His face shall shine like the sun, meaning that His face is so bright that it's almost impossible with the naked eye to look upon Him. He will stand with one foot on the sea and one on land. In in other words, He's reclaiming the earth. And who's He reclaiming the earth for? For for Christ, for God. God has sent Him as a, a, a visual testimony that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And there's a, a fifth characteristic. He speaks with a loud voice, uh, it's, it's sounding like the roaring of a lion when he speaks. I believe, how many thunders were there? Uh, seven thunders. Seven thunders will speak their voices. Now, we, we might ask, who are these seven thunders and what do they say? Verse 4 says, John was about to write what they, 
what they said when a voice from heaven forbid him to write. So these voices and their message will remain a hidden mystery. They will be a hidden mystery until we hear them ourselves. Now, let's uh, pick up the reading in verse 5, and uh, let's read verse 5 down through verse 7. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to the heavens, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that uh, therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be a time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. All right, let's, uh, let's stop right there. Evidently, this is no simple announcement. The angel lifts his hands to heaven. Let's, let's go back and look at what we've read. The angel lifts his hands to heaven as a sign of his authority from God, and he de declares that what? What, did, what does he say? That time will be no longer. Now, what does that mean? It means that God will wait no longer to do what he plans to do. Now, we, la we now live in the day of grace. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. We're living in the day of grace. When you think about living in the day of grace, is God not patient with us? Have you broken a commandment today? Have you broken maybe two commandments today? And so what do we deserve? We know that we're, we're lawbreakers, uh, and yet we thank God for His mercy and His grace. God is extremely patient with humanity. We've seen even in the midst of the tribulation that God still gives mankind uh, a chance to turn to Him. Now when this angel speaks, time will have come. It will be uh, midnight on God's time clock. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, men ask, where is the promise of His coming? Do you remember that passage of Scripture? In 2 Peter chapter 3, here time will have come. Uh, they mock, many men and women mock this idea of a rapture. Many men and women mock the idea of Jesus Christ uh, uh, coming back. Here is the promise of His coming. Here time will have come. The mystery, why do the wicked prosper and why do saints suffer? As Brother Clarence and I echoed a moment ago and a thousand other questions that we might have will be answered go to verse 8 let's look at the angel's gift verses 8 and 9 these are short chapters tonight verse 8 and the voice which i heard from heaven spake unto me again and said go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth and i and remember why is he standing upon the sea and upon the earth he's reclaiming for, for God. Verse 9, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. It shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Let's stop reading right there. Now clearly this is a reference to what? Word of God. Many times the Bible is referred to as, you've often heard me refer to it as spinach. Can I get an amen from somebody? And many times we don't want to eat our spinach, do we? But the Bible is referred uh, to, to as food, and like food because it must be absorbed into the system for it to do good. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. A, a casual reading of the word, uh, of the word, uh, 
if we're just into the Word and it's just a, pa- a casual uh, reading, if we're not meditating on the Word of God, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to get the job done. The Word has to become our... You just can't wake up in the morning and say, well, I know I need to read a, a few verses of Scripture from my daily bread, and I know I need to read a daily bread, and then you rush through it, and you don't have some quiet time. You don't take your time. Uh, the Word has to be absorbed. Not just in our minds, but where else? In our heart. If I were to ask you tonight, what is your, the greatest treasure that you have? How many of you would, would, could truly say from your heart, if we were to hook you up to a lie detector test, would it be your favorite automobile? Would it be your favorite horse? Uh, your favorite dog or animal? Would it be a pet? If I were to ask you, what is your favorite possession? Would you claim your children as your most valuable possession? I mean, would it be a ring? some sentimental value. How many of you could truly say, Lord, it is your word. It is the greatest treasure in my life. It is the greatest treasure of our lives. Think about it for just a moment. It reveals who God is. It reveals his nature and his character. It, it, it give, it's a book of life. It's a book for living, but it, 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 it gives us keys, uh, principles to live by that will guarantee peace and joy and happiness, but Brother Jackie, you have to pick it up and you have to read it. What does Jeremiah 33.3 say? Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, There's a true story of two men in Chicago years ago. One one was a, a man by the name of Gilman, Mr. Gilman. He was a dealer in precious stones like Harry Winston, the story I shared with you on Sunday. The other man was named Myhock. He was an immigrant from uh, Hungary. One day, Mr. Myhock was visiting with uh, Mr. Gilman when he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a red stone. Listen to this. He handed it over to Mr. Gilman and he said, Gilman, would you polish this pebble for me? He said, the other night I dreamed it was worth something, but he, but he said, I, I'm not really sure. And he said, I don't think it's worth anything. Gilman looked at the stone and his eyes began to bulge. He said, Myhock. What you have here is, is called a pigeon ruby. My hawk said, a pigeon ruby? <laughs> What's it worth? Gilman answered, he said, it's worth about $200,000. Then my hawk's eye swelled. And uh, the jeweler went on and, and, and uh, Gilman asked, he said, where, he said where, where did you get it? And uh, the, the, the older man from Hungary, he said, my father gave it to me in Hungary about 50 years ago. He said, I stuck it in my pocket when I came to this country. He said, my baby cut her teeth on the thing. My son played with it in the yard and took it to school with him. He said, it's been around my house for years. He said, I didn't know what it was worth. And we say, well, how in the world could that man be so stupid? How could he be so ignorant? And yet we treat the word of God in the very same casual manner. God's treasure book for eternity lays around the house like a toy. Or you have it thrown up in the dashboard and the sun just bleaches it and beats the daylights out of it. And it looks as though it's been read when it's, it's been nearly destroyed by time and the elements. Notice what happened when John took the book. Go back to verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. Boy, if we can only have a passion to just eat up the Word of God. He said, I ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Verse 11. 
And he said unto me, thou, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Well, let's stop reading right there for just a moment. He took the book, he ate it, and it was sweet, and yet it was bitter. Would that describe the Word of God? Yeah, it is sweet. It, it is sweet, and, and yet it is so often bitter to, to taste. Why is it sweet? Let me tell you why the Bible is sweet. And I'll try to preach. Notice I haven't, I haven't really cranked up the volume tonight. <laughs> it reveals God's plan. God's plan for the ages. God's plan of eternal salvation. The Bible tells of, of the truth of God's forgiveness and God's mercy. The Bible it tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It, it, God's Word helps me uh, as a pastor and as a servant and as a student of the Bible, the Bible helps me to understand the mind of God. He's, he doesn't, he's not hoping that people will get what they deserve. Isn't that amazing? You know, we all deserve hell. The Bible says that God is rich in mercy. No sweeter book in all of the world can you find than the Bible. It, it tells us of His forgiveness. It tells us of His mercy. It tells us of His unmerited grace. So certainly it reveals many things that are certainly sweet to the taste. As a matter of fact, if you want to live long and prosper, wouldn't that be sweet? Well, you can find, there's a formula for that in the Word of God. It reveals God's uh, clear direction for our lives. It's a, it's a recipe book. It's our map. It's our plan of action. It is, I often refer to it as my general orders policy manual. It is clearly given... Uh, that we, 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 we don't have to miss the mark. It's a map from here to glory. It gives direction for living life uh, abundantly. There's a good word that we don't hear in the Baptist church a lot. Living life abundantly. God wants to bless you. Well, we don't, you, hear, you hear that a lot in, in a lot of other churches. Man, we, we'll turn on these television evangelists and uh, they're drive, they've got the big diamonds on and their Rolex watches and and uh, Benny Hinn, he'll tell you he owns 25 or 30 cars. A bunch of them are Mercedes, a bunch of... Ro and he'll tell you, yeah, you uh, he's blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? But now remember, driving a new car doesn't necessarily mean that you're, that you're blessed. Uh, so we have to be very careful about looking at God's... Not saying there's anything wrong with driving new cars and having nice rings. That, that's not what I'm saying. But I do have a problem with a minister the other night who... As I watched the TV station on TBN, he wanted me to send him a $1,000 check. And then he came down from 1000 because he must have known that there were a bunch of Baptists watching. And he said, why don't you make it a $300 check? I'm qu quoting him verbatim. I turned him off. He said, send me your tithe. There are many other reasons why God's Word is sweet, but it also can be bitter. Write this down. It's bitter when... When the saved, notice I said it's bitter when the saved refuse to heed it. Not just read it, but know it and then refuse to heed it. If God tells us to do something and we refuse, believe me, life can be bitter. Is life bitter for some of you right now? Consequences, bad choices, bad decisions. You, you should have gone God's way and instead you went your way. Have you ever wondered why there are uh, grouchy, irritable, pessimistic, critical Christians. Can I tell you why? They're refusing to obey the Word of God. That's simple and plain. They're miserable because they've left God out of their life. They not only refuse to heed it, they refuse to uh, read it, but uh, the lost refuse to believe it. 
The same book that promises forgiveness and mercy promises judgment and punishment to those who refuse it. Would you agree with me or not? All right, we'll stop right there. We're running out of time. And I know some of you would stay here till midnight. <laughs> Go back and reread all of uh, Revelation 10. We'll pick up in Revelation 11 uh, Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, I believe, we'll have time to get into Revelation chapter 12. Try to make it a habit uh, to read uh, the Word of God. Is it uh, sweet? Yes. Uh, it, as a matter of fact, when you read Proverbs chapter 3, don't put your Bible up just yet. <laughs> Go over there to Proverbs chapter 3. Let, let, I, I want to leave on a, on a positive note. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 because it's a passage of Scripture that all of you are very familiar with. Uh, but in this passage of Scripture, uh, as we pray for wisdom and understanding, uh, th there are certain rewards that God will certainly bless us with. In verse 1, first of all, we're to trust and honor God. Look at this. My son or my daughter, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And watch this. Here's a promise from God. For length of days and long life oh, and, and peace... Does your Bible say that? Can you put a price tag on peace? We've got so many men and women in jail right now. When you look at drug addiction and alcoholic addiction and people who are trying to find some sense of peace and we try to find it in, in just about everything under the sun, I'm telling you, you just simply pick up the word, read it, but heed it. More than just read it, you need to obey it. You... you, you you, there's a sense of peace, long life. And, and who, who is promising this? God is. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And all of your look, look at not just 50% or 75 See, many of us, we're trying to live the Christian life and we're trying to do it at 85% or 90% when we ought to be giving God the, the 100% of our heart. Do you, do, you, do you follow my reasoning? Well, Lord, I went to church on Sunday. I even went to church Sunday night and I was back on Wednesday. But the music you listen to doesn't honor God or the TV shows that you watch, you know you shouldn't be watching them or maybe you're dabbling in there, there's books or magazines that you know you shouldn't be reading. Or maybe it's greed or lust or there's some area. And you, you know, all of us tonight, we need to do a self-assessment. I do it on a daily basis. Uh, in the morning, I pray, Lord, if there's anything that's not right in me, purge me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be strong and steadfast and faithful. But you know what? The Holy Spirit works in concert with the Word of God. So not only do I need to pray a prayer like that, but I also need to put some ammunition. I need to put some fuel in my tank. Can I get an, I may preach now if y'all don't wake up. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And, see, and you ought to highlight, in all of your ways, please understand the importance of this. You all have been bought for and paid for with a price. We are bond slaves to Jesus Christ. And many of us are just so selfish. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Oh, and here's a promise in verse 8. It, once again, do you want to be healthy? It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And then there's another promise. 
so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth. Does he love you tonight? Well, of course he does. And if he loves you, he's going to correct you, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. So, all right, when you go to bed tonight, pray for wisdom. Because wisdom is the key ingredient if we're, going, if we're going to grow spiritually. I'm talking about spiritual, godly wisdom. Because wisdom not only delivers us from evil, but listen, godly wisdom promises certain rewards. All right, let's backtrack for just a quick moment. Godly wisdom promises certain rewards. One is longevity. Think about this if you're still writing. One is longevity and prosperity. You see that in verses 1 and 2. Favor with God and man, verses 3 and 4. Uh, uh, guidance in verses 5 and 6, health and refreshment in verses 7 and 8, and watch this, prosperity, prosperity in verses 9 and 10. Oh, and I suppose this could be bitter. Now we go from sweet to bitter. See how God ties all this in because I'm not smart enough to go from Revelation to Proverbs and we end, and I wanted to end on a sweet note. Here we're going to end on a bitter note. Watch this. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Uh, there you have a proper response to discipline. I suppose that can be rather bitter. That can be a bitter pill to swallow when you want to do it your way, not God's way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We have just absolutely uh, run out of time. The first three and a half years are complete. Chapter 10, I thought we could get to 11 tonight, but we've run out of time. The first three and a half years are over. Chapter 10 through chapter 11, uh, we, we have uh, a chapter that literally is sandwiched in between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And we see a mighty angel with one foot on the sea and another upon the earth. And in this passage of Scripture... We believe this to be a special angel of God's own creation. He'll come to earth clothed in a cloud. He'll have a rainbow upon his head. His face shall shine like the sun. He'll stand with one foot on the sea and the other on the land, reclaiming the earth for God. God, ha God will send him as a visual testimony that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Father, as if you need to remind us that you are God and we are not. And Father, we, without you, we are nothing. We can do nothing. And yet I'm... a I'm amazed, Father, that because of the indwelling Holy Spirit working in concert with your word, if we'll just feast on it and, and begin to flesh it out and strive to obey you in every area of our lives. Uh, Paul said that we, we can do, we can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's simply a, a lot, no matter what the addiction might be or no matter what the, the mission might be, no matter what the obstacle if we'll just simply allow Jesus to be Jesus in us. Christ will fight our battle. We're not strong enough to fight these battles. We're weak. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is indeed willing. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit, we have to allow God to do our fighting for us. Read the Word, study the Word, and obey the Word. Father, if there's one in our midst lost, Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would reveal yourself to them, that even now they would recognize their desperate need for a Savior that they wouldn't invite Christ into their heart. There may be one here who's never been baptized. Father, we pray that they would come forward. 
Your word is very clear. Jesus said, if you're ashamed to confess me before men, I will be ashamed to confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Maybe there's someone here tonight who wishes to join this church. Maybe there's someone being called into the mission field, into the ministry. Father, just simply we ask in the, the powerful name of Jesus that you would have your sweet way and will in our lives and in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.